What's up, everybody? Welcome to Virtual Church. Hey, I got a question for all of you watching today online. Do we have any DIYers out there? Come on, hit me a, a thumbs up, a like, put in the comment, share your DIY project. Uh, do it yourself. It's a craze that is just all over the place now. Why would you ever call a professional again uh, when you can just watch a video on YouTube and do it yourself, right? I, I saw, I actually saw a thing where a single mother built a whole house for her and her kids by herself by just watching YouTube videos. So um, I've tried DIY projects at my house and mine don't usually turn out that great. I usually have a bunch of fails. And uh, actually, if you want a fun little rabbit hole, type in DIY fails and go search the internet. Uh, there's funny things like, check out this right here, this sink fail. That's a major fail, pretty funny. Uh, or how about this, the old toilet door notch fail. <laughs> uh, yep, that's a fail. And <clears throat> my personal favorite is because, I don't know if your wife is on Pinterest. My wife is on Pinterest. If you're a lady out there, maybe you're on Pinterest. There's all sorts of Pinterest fails out there. And check this one out. I love this Pinterest fail right here. So pretty funny. DIY, it is fun for projects around the house, but here is the truth. There is no such thing as DIY Christianity. There's no such thing as DIY spirituality. Uh, our culture is hyper-individualistic. And if we're not careful, we will let that creep into our spiritual lives. This is where we're at. We can carefully craft our own spiritual journeys now. We can listen to our absolute favorite preachers on podcasts. We can listen to our absolute favorite worship songs and worship leaders on Spotify or iTunes. And, and we, have, we have our own little spiritual growth plans. And if we're not careful, we have developed a Christianity that no longer involves the need for a community of people. And I have to tell you that that type of Christianity is found nowhere in the New Testament. There's no such thing as DIY Christianity. When you got saved, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 12 that you were actually baptized into the body of Christ. That means you were immersed into a community of people and there are no lone wolves in the kingdom of God. Now, I know with our current situation that we have going on right now, that isolation is at an all-time high in our country. And I don't say this to shame anybody. We were told to isolate. We were told to be careful about being around people. But here's what I know, and here's what we're seeing, uh, the effects of this all across our nation right now. And that's isolation is not a good thing. Isolation is not a good thing. It's not good for our mental health. We weren't created to be alone. Think about this. In the garden, it was perfect. No sin had entered humanity yet. God looks around all of his creation and everything is good. There's so many good things, but he says there's actually one thing that's not good. He said it's not good for Adam to be alone. It's not good for man to be alone. Even in perfection, even in creation before there was sin, isolation was not a good thing. You were created to be <clears throat> in community with others. Think about Jesus's own life. You know, Jesus would have grown up in a very 
uh, relationship, relationally rich culture, so much more beyond what we could think of. He, he would have lived in a community where he knew his family so well, his cousins. Uh, they would sing the Psalms every night together. They would go to Midrash and learn the scriptures together. He would probably have a, a sparring partner when it came to the scriptures and they would teach each other the scriptures and test each other on the scriptures. But when does Satan come and try to tempt Jesus. It's when he's alone. It's when he's isolated. It's when he's in the wilderness. That's when Satan comes. And I can promise you, and I can tell you this, that we are most vulnerable when we are most isolated. So that's for the next few weeks. Here's what we want to do. We want to help you as a community. We want to help really our city. This is the message that we're preaching. It's this, that you are not alone. You are not alone. That's gonna be our theme for the next four weeks. Honestly, that's our theme for all of 2021. This is what I was feeling for this year is that, man, we have got to get people connected again relationally. That's our goal for this year is to get you connected relationally, however that may happen. If it has to be online, it's online. If it's through Zoom, it's on Zoom. However we can do it, that's what we're going after is relational connection because we don't want anybody to be alone. And we are here to remind you that there's a community of people here that care for you, that want to see you flourish, that want God's best for your life. We're here to remind you that you are not alone. So we're going to do something kind of fun for the next four weeks. We're going to do a case study on different people in the Bible, on different people in the community, maybe people you've never thought at or looked at before. But the truth is we are a network of people a community of people that are loyally and stubbornly committed to one another. We're stubbornly committed to one another. You know, we just came out of January. January is usually the time of year we're all thinking about how we can improve ourselves. We join gyms. We make commitments. We're going to read more. We're going to eat better. We're going to sleep more. Amen. That's a good one. I received that. Uh, But usually when it comes to growth, we always think about self-development. We always think about what we can do personally to grow better. But what if your growth is not really tied to your self-development? What if your growth is tied up in the relationships that you're in? What if your potential, what if your, whatever God has for you and your destiny isn't so much on what you can do for yourself, but what if your destiny is tied relationally to some other person or to some other people and that God has people that he wants to put in your life that will draw out the best in you, that will bring out the best in you. People will, that will sharpen you. Like the scripture says, as iron sharpens iron, people that you get around sparks fly, but you're getting sharper. You're growing. God created us, not that we can grow just by ourselves, but we need other people in our lives that are going to push us and propel us forward. And so we're going to look at the type of people. We're going to do a case study each Sunday and look at the type of people you need in your life. You know, the author, Jen Rohn, he says this, that you are the sum total of the five closest relationships you have in your life. So your destiny, your vision, what your life is going to look like is the sum total of all the people you're hanging with. So do a little relational, uh, you know, think about your relationships right now. Who are you hanging with? Because who you're hanging with is the direction your life is heading in. So if you're hanging around with people that ain't doing much, there's a good chance you ain't gonna do much. 
So it is really important that we look at the type of people that we need in our lives. So we're going to look at people we need in our lives. And we're also going to look at who we need to be for others. Maybe you're out there and you just say, man, I need a friend. I need a friend. I'm going to tell you the best way to find a friend is to be a friend. The best way to find other people is to be the person other people need in their lives. So the first person that we're going to study this week, his name is Barnabas. I don't know if you've ever heard Barnabas, but actually that's only a nickname. His real name is Joseph, but Barnabas was such an encourager that they gave him this name. Barnabas simply means son of an encourager. And he was an encourager. And so the first person you need in your life, the first person you need in your corner is someone who is simply going to build you up. To encourage means to put courage inside. Who is someone in your life that simply encourages you? And reverse that question. Who are you being an encourager to? Who are you putting courage into? So, hey, let's dive in. Let's look at the life of this man named Barnabas. Acts eleven twenty four. I love this. It tells us about Barnabas. It gives a description. This is what it says about him. It says, for he was a good man. He was full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. That's the person you need in your life, a good man or a good woman, someone full of the Holy Spirit and someone full of faith. Let's talk about that first one for a second. He was a good man. I don't know if you remember in Luke, Jesus tells a parable and he talks about how the word of God, it's like a farmer going out and he's sowing seed and he sows seeds and it falls on different types of soil. And and there's four different types of soil and there's three of them that aren't good soil, but there's one of them that is good soil. And the word that falls on good soil out of on when it, it will produce a harvest, a rich harvest in some 30, 60 and a, and a hundred fold more than what is planted. And Barnabas represents someone who is good soil. Those who hear the word, hold it fast with an honest and good heart and they are producers. Barnabas was a producer. He produced many things. And one of the things I love about him is that he was a generous man. He was a generous man. And this is really what I want to say about people who are encouragers. This is what they are. Encouragers have a spirit of generosity. Encouragers have a spirit of generosity. Listen to this, Acts 4, 34. It talks about Barnabas. It says, there was not a needy person among them for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought in the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet and it was distributed to each as any had need. Thus, Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. This is crazy, insane generosity. You realize at this point, there's probably only about 1% of Jewish people who actually still own their native land because Rome had come in and taken possession of so many things. And there'd been so many different people who had ruled in Jerusalem over the years. And so only about 1% of Jewish people own their own land. And here is this man 
that he owns his own land. He's in the elite, but what does he do? He sells that piece of land and he brings that money and he lays it at the apostles' feet. He was so generous. But here's the thing about people that are encouragers, people you need in your life. They're not just generous with money. They're generous all around. Their whole life is an act of generosity. They're generous with their time. They're generous with their words. They just exude generosity. And man, we need people in the church. We need people in this community that are generous, not just with their finances. I'm so thankful we have some wonderful, generous people here at this church but we need people that are generously giving words of affirmation, generously giving their time and serving those around them. We need that spirit of generosity to take over our hearts. When you are generous, you give and you expect nothing in return. You are a cheerful giver. I like what Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said. He said, every person must decide at some point whether they will walk in the light of creative altruism or in the darkness of destructive selfishness. This is the judgment. Listen, life's most persistent and urgent question is this, what are you doing for others? Let me ask you that question today. What are you doing for others? In a hyper-individualistic culture, where we're all looking out for numero uno, number one, we're all looking out for ourselves. What are you doing for others? Do you have a generous spirit? Is there someone that you need to come up alongside and encourage them and share your life with them and give of yourself to them? You know, in 1964, Dr. King, he won a Nobel Peace Prize. And with that prize came $54,000 of a cash reward. And you know what he did with that money? He gave every single cent of it away. He was a man who was generous with his words, with his time. He gave himself over to others. We need a generous spirit. And people with a generous spirit, they usually are generous with their words. They have good words. They have good news. We should be good news people. We're not bad news people. We're good news people. What I love about Barnabas, if you read the book of Acts, he goes to all these different cities. He goes to Antioch, to Cyprus, to Paphos, to Iconium, to Lystra, to Derby. And you know what he was doing in every one of those cities? The Bible tells us he was bringing good news. Everywhere Barnabas went, he was a bringer of good news. Now I know we know that means the gospel. That's the greatest news of all time is the gospel of Jesus Christ. He, and, and so yes, we bring the gospel everywhere we go. But I also believe that has to do with our words. Are we people of good news with our words? Are we complaining, negative, cynical, critical? Or are we people who speak good things? Do we have a good report? You know, in the Old Testament, we hear the story about how the 12 spies go out to spy out the promised land, land promised to them by God. And the 12 spies come back and 10 out of the 12, the Bible says they bring back a negative report. Do you realize that 10 men who brought back a negative report kept out 1 million people from the promise of God that he had for them? They didn't go into the promised land because a negative word that was brought by 10 
men. Listen, I'm telling you, your destiny is tied up with other people. If you're around people who all they bring is negative words and complaining words and critical words, you might wanna be careful around those people. If you're not surrounded by people that bring a good report, it might affect the promise and the destiny that God has for you. Get around some people who have something good to say, who have something good to bring, who are generous with their words about you and about other people. We are good news people. I love what Philippians 4.8 says. It says, whatever things are true or noble or just, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever things are of good report, these are the things that we think on. These are the things that we talk about. Now you might think, oh, Chad, you're just, that's positive mumbo jumbo talk, you know, positive thinking, all that. I'm not talking about simply being a positive person all the time. It's deeper than that. I'm talking about being someone who gives life-giving words because they're connected to the life giver. I'm talking about someone who speaks words of life because they have a river of life flowing on the inside of them. And Barnabas had a river of life flowing on the inside of him. He was a good man who was full of the Holy Spirit. That's our next point, full of the Holy Spirit. We need to be people who are continually filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you've ever left or gone out of town for a while and you left and you came home and your house, no one had been in it for a week or maybe two weeks and you open the door and it's got like this stale smell to it. It's just, there hasn't been any air circulating in there and it begins to get stale. There's no life in it. Uh, Recently, I had a a vehicle that I didn't drive, honestly, for a couple months. It just sat parked. And when I went back into the vehicle, there was mold and just nastiness inside of the vehicle. And it was simply for the fact that no air had been circulated through there. No life had been in there. And it had just gotten old and moldy and stinky. (laughs) Let me ask you a question. When was the last time you were filled with fresh air from the Holy Spirit? Like a fresh wind from the Holy Spirit inside of your soul that uplifts you and and brings life and gets out everything that's stale and moldy. We need the fresh air of God because we are called to be God's fresh air everywhere we go. You see, the word for spirit is it's breath. It's it's wind. It's, that's, that's what God's, that's what that is. That's what the spirit is. And the Bible says where the, where the spirit, where the breath, where the wind of the Lord is, there is freedom. In every room you walk into, if you're a follower of Christ, if you know him, if you follow him, if you're filled with the Holy Ghost today, you should be a breath of fresh air in whatever room you walk into. You should be a breath of fresh air to the people around you. And Barnabas was a breath of fresh air to the people around him. Barnabas would reach out to others and and, and he would connect others. You see, the Holy Spirit is the great connector. You know what the Spirit of God does is he takes God and he makes God not distant to us, but he brings God close to us. If it wasn't for the Holy Spirit, the work of what Jesus did on the cross couldn't be applied to your life. The Holy Spirit is a connector. He connects us to the work of God, the things of God. That's what the Holy Spirit does. And the Holy Spirit used Barnabas to be a connector. You see, encouragers are 
connectors. Encouragers have a generous spirit and encouragers are connectors. In Acts 9, 26, we see this. It says, and when he had come to Jerusalem, this is talking about the apostle Paul now. Paul had gotten saved. He'd had a vision from heaven. He was persecuting Christians, but now he's seen Jesus and he's like, his life's changed and he's trying to get connected to the church. Listen, Acts 9, it says, and when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples and they were all afraid of him for they did not believe that he was a disciple. And Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord who had spoke to him and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. You see Barnabas, he sees a young man named Paul and he takes a risk on him. Where would we be today if Barnabas, not being full of the Holy Spirit, saw the grace of God at work in Paul's life and he brought Paul to the apostles and said, no, 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 this man truly has been saved. God's doing something here and you better pay attention to it. There's something special about this young man called Paul. We desperately need people right now who see the grace of God. They see God working in other people and what they become is connectors. They reach out to those people and they say, man, this person has a destiny. This person has a call of God on their life. This person needs the church right now. Barnabas was a connector. And we see this again in chapter 11. You see, Barnabas is sent to the church at Antioch. He goes there to help a church that is growing and when he gets there, he sees God moving in this local body of believers. But you know what he does? He leaves Antioch and he goes to a city called Tarsus and he goes and he finds this man called Paul. You know, many believers don't realize the timeline here and what's going on. In Acts chapter nine, the apostles in Jerusalem, they take Paul and they actually send him back to his hometown of Tarsus. And many people don't realize that for about 10 years, Paul lives in obscurity in Tarsus. He basically moved back home. He probably moved back in with his parents' house. Here's a guy that had a vision from Jesus. There was a person that prophesied over him and said, you're gonna tell the whole world about Jesus. And now Paul is back in his hometown of Tarsus for 10 years in obscurity. But who comes and finds him? It's Barnabas. Here's Barnabas again, being a connector. He's got Barnabas is in Antioch. He's doing the work and he says, you know what, who would be good? Who could really help me here in Antioch is that young man, Saul or Paul of Tarsus. I'm gonna go find him. He leaves what he's doing. He seeks him out and brings him to where he's at to join him in the work. That's what we need in the church right now. We need connectors that are gonna, they're willing to leave what they're doing and go find somebody and say, hey, there's a call of God on your life. You should be doing this with me. Paul was a connector. Or, I mean, sorry, Barnabas was a connector. We need connectors in the body of Christ. And he doesn't stop there. There some, the, the church is in a crisis in Acts chapter 15. All these Gentiles are getting saved. And no one knows what to do with them because a lot of the other Jewish Christians, you know what they want to do? They want to say, hey, you can't join the church unless you get circumcised. You can't join the church unless you start living out the law of Moses, doing these Jewish customs and laws that we have. And who is it but Barnabas and Paul? They stand up for the Gentile believers back in Jerusalem and they say, hold up, guys, hold up, hold up. We don't need to put all these burdens on these people. 
Let me tell you, the Holy Spirit's moving in this, in this Gentile community. And if the Spirit of God is filling them, that's enough for us, that they should be a part of the church. What does, what does Barnabas do? He connects the Gentiles to the church. We're here today because of this encourager, this connector named Barnabas. And even, even let's go one more. There's a young man named John Mark. John Mark joins Paul and Barnabas on their first missionary journey. But John Mark flakes out in the middle of the journey. He decides to go home. And so when they're going to do their second missionary journey, Paul and Barnabas, Barnabas wants to bring John Mark back. And Paul said, no way. That kid's a deserter. Not worth our time. Not bringing him along with us. It's, and Barnabas and Paul, they have a little bit of a disagreement. Paul at that time takes Silas and goes somewhere. And what does Barnabas do? He goes and he finds John Mark. John Mark, I know you deserted us last time. I know you flaked out on us last time, but there's still good in you, John Mark. There's still something God wants to do in you. And you know what? I'm so glad Barnabas reached out to John Mark again, even though he had failed them earlier, because if it wasn't for John Mark, we wouldn't have the gospel of Mark. He wrote the very first gospel. The gospel of Mark comes from this young man, John Mark. So think about Barnabas and the way he encourages and connects people. Listen, Barnabas never wrote a single New Testament book, but he connected and mentored a young man named Paul and encouraged him. And Paul wrote 13 books and he connected and mentored a young man named John Mark. And he gave us one of our four gospels. It wasn't about him. It wasn't about how great he could be. He was simply just an encourager. And because of his encouragement, because of his connecting others, we have some of the most precious treasures of our faith today because of that. So what am I asking of you today, church? Here's what I'm asking. This is my plea. In our church right now, 2021, the Crossing Church, we desperately need people who are connectors. We need connectors. As of right now, we've entered almost 70 new people into our database since, since the month of October. People that are connecting with our church, people that are coming in. There's a lot of new faces. There's a lot of people I don't know. And you know what I need right now? You know what our church needs? We need some of the people that have been here for a while. You've called the crossing your home. This is your family. Here's what I desperately need from you. I need you to be a connector. I need you to be an encourager. You know, the longer you're in a church, the longer a church is called your home, the more closed your circle can become. Your friendship group is closed. Your circle of friends is closed. You know, this is the people you've done life with forever at this church. Here's what I'm asking you right now from a pastor's heart. If you will, if the spirit of the Lord would speak to you, I'm asking you to open your circle. I'm asking you to welcome in some new people that have decided to join our community. We need people who will connect. You have no idea who you could be encouraging. You have no idea who you, be, who you could be connecting to the body of Christ. You have no idea the purposes that you could be drawing out of somebody just by simply being someone who is a connector, by being a Barnabas. Now that's my plea for people who have been here a while. And if, you're, if you are new to the church, here's my plea to you. Give it some time. Give us some time. It might take a little while until you feel connected here. And some of that is natural. I feel for you. That's, I remember when my wife and I, I had grown up at this particular church here my whole life and we moved to Louisiana. 
And when we moved, I remember feeling that loss of community. I was in a new place. I didn't know many people. My wife didn't know many people. And here we are with our kids trying to make a new life in a new place. A wonderful church, but it took us maybe a year before it really felt like this is our people. These are my people. This is my home. And you don't want to know why, you know what it was for us? It was a small group. It was a life group. And, and so if you're new, I encourage you, find a life group. And I want you to know this, when we first started going to life groups there, it was awkward. It wasn't like, oh, it was just a hit. We felt like home. No, there was a lot of awkward conversations. There was a lot of awkward moments. It's like, I'm talking to complete strangers here. I'm in a stranger's home. Like, what's going on? Took us about a year, but we finally found the group that worked for us. And I can tell you today, I still talk to people from that group. I call them. I have a friend that's coming in town next week from that group. It was a life group. It was a group of people that helped us get connected. This is what we need. If you've been here a while, if you're, a, if you're someone in the faith, if you're strong in the faith, it's time for you maybe to lead a group. It's time for you to become that connector. It's time for you to reach out. It's you could be encouraging someone who, who could help take our community and this church to the next level. It could be uh, helping, encouraging some, the next great business person in our city who knows what they could be, but they need someone. They need a Barnabas in their life that will come up beside them, see something in them and bring out the best in them. This is the last thing. He was a good man. He was full of the Holy Spirit, but Barnabas was also full of faith. I love this. Acts 14, 21, it says, when they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. Let me ask you a question. Who do you have in your life that is encouraging you in the faith? encouragers, not only do they have a generous spirit, not only are encouragers connectors, but here's my last point. Encouragers fortify the faithful. Encouragers fortify the faithful. Who do you have in your life that you can talk about the things of God with? Maybe in the particular friend group in your right now, no one ever talks about God. No one ever talks about the word. You don't have anybody you can say, hey guys, this is going on in my life. Could you pray for me about this? Maybe your current friend group right now, you have none of that. You need someone in your life who is going to encourage you to stay faithful in your walk with God, who's gonna fortify you in the faith. You need someone who can look at you with eyes of faith, who can look at you and see what's in you even when you're not acting like you're supposed to, even when you're not living up to really who you are called to be. This is, a, this is a principle. Even in the Bible, we have an angel that appears to Gideon. He's scared and he's worried and, and he's threshing wheat alone. He's scared of the enemy. An angel appears to him and says, greetings, mighty warrior of God. He said, Jesus looks at Peter and his name was Cephas, which means tiny little pebble. But he said, Peter, you're not a little pebble. Your name from now on is Peter. You're a giant rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church. It's looking into somebody, looking and drawing out whatever that destiny and that purpose is. It's looking at them with eyes of faith. And you will be so 
surprised what one little word of encouragement can do. What one little word of faith in someone can do. As a young man, Henry Ford endured a lot of criticism and ridicule for his ideas of a gasoline powered engine. Most mechanical experts of his day were convinced that the future was in electric carriages. He was at a dinner one night and he was explaining his engine to some men nearest him at the table. But he noticed across the room, there was another man who was interested in what he was saying. And that man was Thomas Edison. Thomas Edison came over and he asked young, the young Ford to draw out a sketch of what he had been talking about this engine. So Ford draws out the sketch and he said, Edison looked at it on the napkin, studied it intently, and he banged his fist on the table and he said, young man, that's the thing, you have it. Years later, Ford recalled the thump of the fist upon the table was worth worlds to me. He also remarked elsewhere that the ability to encourage others is one of life's finest assets. You know, I think about my dad and I've told this story before, but it's such a good story. When my dad was growing up, he was truly athletic, had a great athletic ability. He was a good basketball player, uh, but you know, his own father never recognized that, never really came and watched him play. But when my dad was in middle school, he overheard one coach saying to another coach, you know, the, Terry, he might could really do something with basketball. He might could really go somewhere with it. He seems to have a natural inclination for it. My dad hearing that one little word, that one tiny word of encouragement, he hung on to that one word. And because of that word, he went to college on a scholarship playing basketball. And he ended up at the college where he met my mother and got saved. And it's, it's all downhill after that. But it was one tiny word of encouragement that led him to where he is today. Who knows what one word from you could do for somebody else? Who knows what one word you need to hear, but you're not gonna hear that word isolated from God's community. You need to be with people who are full of faith that can look at you with eyes of faith and speak into who you are. This is what we need. We need generous people that are encouragers. We need people that are full of the Holy Spirit and full of faith. And you know what I love about Barnabas is that Barnabas doesn't need the spotlight. Barnabas doesn't need to be known. In fact, if you read through the book of Acts, there's a progression. We're introduced to this guy, Barnabas. He's great. The apostles believe in him. They send him out on a journey, but then that's when Barnabas finds Paul and he takes Paul under his wing. So at first it's just Barnabas. Then if you read in the book of Acts, it talks about Barnabas and Paul. Set aside Barnabas and Paul for the work of the ministry that I have for them. Barnabas and Paul, Barnabas and Paul. But then Paul has a breakout moment in Acts 13. Paul rebukes a, a person who's full of the devil and trying to stop the gospel and the person becomes blind. And it's like this big breakout moment, like, oh my gosh, who is this Paul guy? He's full of power. He knows the word, like Paul is awesome. And you, you, you have to, this is what happens in the book of Acts, the name switch. It's no longer Barnabas and Paul. Now it's Paul and Barnabas, Paul and Barnabas, Paul and Barnabas. And, and as the time goes on, 
It's no longer even Paul and Barnabas anymore. It's just Paul. The spotlight has completely gotten off of Barnabas and now it's completely on Paul and his missionary journey and what he's doing. You see, Barnabases, they don't care about the spotlight. They're not discouraged by other people and their ministry and God using other people and them being sent out. No, they, they, they just, they have so much joy in that. They love encouraging people. They love seeing God's plans fulfilled for people. And I wanna fill you in on something that's going on here in the life of our church. Uh, we get an opportunity as a church to be a Barnabas for a Paul. And many of you guys know Jeff and Katie, they've been a part of our church for 10 years or longer than that really, but uh, on staff here for almost a, a decade and working in youth ministry for even longer than that. And uh, Jeff and Katie have been so faithful. They've been sons and daughters of this house and we've got to see them grow up in ministry and accomplish so many wonderful things. They've been a loyal, faithful son and daughter of this house. But now it's time for them, to, for God to have the next thing for them in their ministry journey. And they have the opportunity to go and to be the senior pastors of a wonderful church out in South Dakota. And uh, this, this whole year and really 2020, Jeff was in a process of, he knew something was next for his life, not sure what it was. And going through that process, the Lord has brought this opportunity his way. And now it's, it's our turn to get to be a Barnabas to this Paul. This is a young couple that have such uh, massive potential in what God wants to do. They're gonna become leaders in that region. And we get to send them out as sons and daughters. This isn't a bad thing. It's a really, really good thing. And they are connected to this house. We're going to bless them. And in just a few weeks, I'm gonna bring it back to you again. And you're gonna have an opportunity to bless them. And look, this is an opportunity to sow into what God is doing into a region of our country. And so uh, we're really excited about that. And I just wanted to let you know that as a church, we get to encourage them and stand behind them as the spotlight moves towards them and what God's gonna do in their life. So church, I'm excited about the next four weeks. I'm here to tell you, you are not alone. You are not alone. And that uh, God is, I believe, doing something really special in our church. And we need a bunch of Barnabases right now. We need a bunch of encouragers. We need a bunch of connectors. We need to be people that the Spirit of God uses in a great way to help people find community. So let me pray for you today. Father, I thank you for your children. I thank you for your people. God, I pray that you would raise up encouragers in our house, people that are generous, people that are full of the Holy Spirit and full of faith. Lord, we just pray your blessing upon Jeff and Katie as they're moving into a new uh, direction in life, a new, a new chapter is unfolding for them. We love them. We pray your blessing upon them. The Crossing Church is so proud of them. And Lord, we just pray in 2021 that we can truly tell the city and the people of God that they are not alone. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Church, we love you. And uh, nine and 11 o'clock every Sunday, we're live here, right here in the sanctuary. It's good to be back in the sanctuary speaking to you today. And then also 10 o'clock virtually. So, hey, we'll see you next week.